On today's Footy Weekly podcast, Mourinho is left smiling against Guardiola. Lampard benched his most expensive player. The grass was too long for Arteta at Burnley. Allison Becker has conducted more baptisms in the last three months than he has conceded goals. <laughs> I'm your host and Liverpool supporter, Andrew Scanlon, and I am joined by my brother and fellow Red, Stephen Scanlon. What's up, Stephen? What's going on, Andrew? Uh, hell of a result uh, for nothing over Southampton. The, the view from the top looks really good right now. It looks fantastic like it has all season. We're also joined by Chelsea supporter and lover of the Super Bowl halftime show, Paul Hogan. All right, Paul? Doing well. Great halftime show, must say. <laughs> and finally, we're joined by Arsenal supporter, the gooner himself, Shane Samwell. How are we doing, Shane? I'm living the dream, man. I'm living the dream. That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. So we have a great show today and so much to cover. Let's get right into it. With uh, league leaders Liverpool, they hosted Southampton at Anfield for nothing. Um, a goal from Ox in the second half, 47th minute. Henderson had one, and Salah had two to round us off. Um, 22 points clear of Man City now. The title looks to be in sight. Uh, and we need six more wins if City went out. Um, and I think if that happens, we'd actually win the title at City. But uh, getting back to the game, it was a sloppy first half by the Reds. I thought it was a much better second half. All four goals did come in the second. Um, but throughout the game, Southampton looked really dangerous. I'm sure these guys will agree. But, uh, Stephen, what, what changed for you in the, in the second half? Um, that's the thing. is that I don't really know exactly what it was that, that changed. I think we just played with a little bit more purpose. Um, you know, one of the things that always interests me about Liverpool is that going forward offensively, they probably use their midfield less than most clubs at the top of the table do. Um, we were actually talking about this yesterday on our other pod, um, you know, about, about Liverpool, um, that, you know, so much of their creativity offensively comes from, you know, from, comes from the wings, whether it's Salah or Mane or Robertson yep. and, and Trent out wide, um, that, you know, I think in the first half, especially with Southampton lined up in a four-four-two and really clogging up the wings, I think it just took some second-half adjustments for us to, um, you know, to get past that. And then once, you know, whatever club does at halftime, because whatever he's done all season has clearly worked. Um, you know, whatever he said to them, you know, the opening five minutes, boom, we hit him right in the mouth. So I think for me, it was just maybe a little bit just kind of waking up, um, but also, yeah, some some tactics from Klopp there. Yeah, I think it was more so just waking up. I didn't really see many changes that occurred um, once the second half started. But the, their passing was just so off in the first half. Um, they just didn't really look into it. They just, you know, maybe they thought they were going to wipe the floor with Southampton and just didn't press the press the go button. I don't know what it was, but whatever Klopp said at halftime, it, it clearly worked. Um, was, that a, was that a penalty for you against uh, Danny Ings, which led to the Ox goal? Steven? Um so, in my opinion, no. Um, so when, <laughs> when, when I look at the, when I look at the Danny Ings, no, but seriously, as a defender, when I look at the Danny Ings play, he tries to split two defenders. There's contact on the very first play, uh, on the very first part. But uh, you know, Fabinho got the ball there, and then as Ings continues to go forward, yes, absolutely, hundred percent, Fabinho does stick his leg out again. But I don't see any contact with Ings. I see Ings starting to go down. 
um, with his left foot before that. So I, for me, I think that's a, I think that would have been a soft foul. I would not have liked it. I can understand why people think otherwise, but uh, honestly, without, I'm sure there's a little bit of bias, but I'm trying not to have any bias. I don't think that's impossible. Shane, you clearly disagree. Not, not that I disagree, but there clearly was contact, and the way the Premier League has been going, it should have been a penalty for Ings. Yeah, no, because, I... because there was contact. So the fact that there was contact, what I want is just for the referees to be consistent. And mm-hmm. the other point I'll make too is Liverpool are playing very well, probably the best anyone has played since Arsenal Invincibles. And by the referees blowing these calls, is giving people to things to talk about that takes away from how brilliant Liverpool's performance was. So the referees got to do a better job and make sure they're not giving teams or the media any couple to take it from Liverpool's greatness. Yeah, no, I agree. One thing I would mention, though, I was watching the Chelsea game before that, and I did see a similar play with Tammy Abraham. And I didn't think at the time that it was a penalty, but when you saw, saw the replay, it there was contact. I don't, Paul, I don't know if you saw that, but I thought it was a very similar situation both times. The uh, mm-hmm. referee didn't call it. So they were somewhat consistent in that point. I just think you slow most of these plays down and it's going to look like a foul. So it's very hard to tell. Yeah, that's true. Um, but, Paul, Paul, going to you, um, in this game, there was no Sadio Mane. Oxlade Chamberlain filled in for him on the left wing. Um, and he gets a goal. Yeah, Ox uh, f- plugging right in and picking up where he left off for you guys. He's having a good good season for you guys, uh, no matter where he plays on the pitch. And um, Salah finding some form. It's good to see. Oh, God, he looks good. Yes, I mean, that's it's scary. Just, if he gets it's going. Just a juggernaut. And uh, I mean, credit to Southampton for staying nil nil for half the game because um, that's a feat in itself. And I think. You know, I expected Southampton to to kind of keep it closer than they did, but credit to uh, Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, I thought they definitely had their chances. There were a few times in that first half where they had some clear, clear opportunities. I remember one in particular where Danny Ings, I mean, he has, I think, 14 goals in the season. He had a clear shot on net. and Instead, he decided to try to square the ball in the box, and I think Gomez intercepted it or something. But they had a few chances like that, and Allison had to make the save. But um, – uh, Shane, as a former Arsenal player, Oxlade Chamberlain, I mean, do you think he's fitting in well with this Liverpool side? I mean, Ox talent was never a question. He's always getting injured, so true. He's had a few good run of games. Hope it continues for him, but with his track record, it doesn't really <laughs> look good. So I, I, I wish him all the best. Yeah, I love to hear it. Well, another midfielder that's been the talk of the league right now, uh, Jordan Henderson, Chain. I know you talked about him a, a few weeks ago. He's the favorite right now to win player of the year by the bookmakers. And Alan Shearer himself also said if the Premier League ended right now, he would give it to Jordan Henderson. I disagree with that. Jordan Henderson had the most difficult job in football. He took over the captaincy from Steven Gerrard. Yeah. Um, he did that with class. He did it with composure. And he's going to be the first Liverpool captain to win a league title in 30 years. He's going to be the third ever to win a European Cup and the league championship. And he's the first ever to lift the club World Cup. So he is a Liverpool legend. However, 
I think because Virgil van Dijk has been so good and also won Player of the Year last year, people are taking his greatness for granted. Yeah. When you look at Liverpool games, he's hardly threatened. There's very few. So easy. (laughs) Correct. And and I I would draw comparisons here to Juan Bissaka, who is a good defender. But Juan Bissaka makes so much last ditch tackles because the defense is always in the wrong position. Mm-hmm. Virgil van Dijk is always two steps ahead of the game he scores goals he wins everything in the air and he commands his defense he is the player of the year yeah. John Henderson has had a great season and continues to but he's, he's, he's not he's not the player of the year yeah one thing I mentioned last week um, I, know, I know you guys weren't on but uh, said, I, if, he, if they win the title um, what's going on someone uh, making a lot of noise in the background <laughs> That was, um, yeah. If they if the Liverpool wins the title, I think Henderson should get Player of the Year for Liverpool. But I could definitely see him um, not getting it, not getting the, the uh, not getting a look for Player of the Year in the Premier League. I think it could go to someone like De Bruyne, Van Dijk, maybe Sadio Mane, Stephen. Everything all right? Yeah, I I don't think I I I, I don't think um. De Bruyne should be in the Player of the Year category. Um, Why he's is that? Had, because one, they're not winning, and there's other players who had greater impacts for the team than him. You have about five Liverpool players ahead of him: Van Dijk, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Mane, Salah, Firmino, Henderson, Allison, Robertson. Yeah. The, the yeah. list goes on and on. I think then we have, lost. I think we lost Steven. Yes, Steven just exited briefly. Then uh, you have you have Leicester City, who has Ndidi, Schmeichel, Vardy, Telemans, Madison. So there's a lot of players who have greater impacts for their teams than what um, Kevin De Bruyne has. He, he's a great player. He's having an okay season, but his performances are not translating to City climbing up the table. So I don't think he should be in that conversation. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I mean, second place still isn't too bad, though. I mean, Liverpool came in second last year, and Van Dijk still got. I know he was pretty much he was very transcendent in that defense, but uh, I feel like De Bruyne is literally carrying City into every game. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Still, a but, lot of games to go. So. But d- didn't Raheem carry them early in the season? Yeah, I'm not a Raheem guy, though. <laughs> 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 But going back to the game, real quick, we'll just run through the stats. 61% uh, per possession for Liverpool, 16 shots on uh, out of nine on target, six corners, four saves for Allison. Southampton had 11 corners, four shots on target. So um, decent game overall. I thought Southampton came out pretty well, but Liverpool were just too much for him in that second half. And uh, Anfield is a uh, tough place to come and play. But next we have Spurs City. I don't know if any of us saw this one coming, but 2 nothing to Spurs. Goals from the new guy, Bergwin, I think it is. Bergwin in the 63rd minute. And Son Hyung min in the 71st. Uh, red card for Zinchenko pulled back Harry Winks when Harry Winks was pretty much on a breakaway. So that was a second yellow for him. Um, Moo against Pep didn't disappoint. Never does. There was VAR drama. Potential red card for Sterling. Shane, I'm going to come to you for that in a second. And a red card for Sanjanko. Um, debut goal for Bergwin. Classic Mourinho. Just grinning on the bench. Guy has three shots on target and wins the game. But, uh, Paul, let's go to you first. I think 
a lot of people are talking about how City may be suffering from Pep Guardiola exhaustion. This is his third year or fourth year. Yeah, it's, it's about time it starts to kick in for some of these guys. But um, I, I don't know if that's so much what it is. I think, you know, they're still right there um, behind Liverpool. Um, and... <laughs> Yo, who keeps moving shit around? That was me, dude. That was just that was my hotel room. I just had, some, just, had just had someone knock on my door, dude. If you need to take a little uh, breather with homegirl, yeah, man. feel free. Stephen, <laughs> <laughs> get it in mid pot. <laughs> Multitasking. I'm not that good, guys. All Come right. on now. Um, but no, I mean the injuries they had, um, and for them to still be in second, you know, it's like pretty impressive in my opinion um and on top of that pep really needs a champions league title to have a you know a really successful stint at city so yeah. that's his priority True. understandably so yeah go ahead yeah no he didn't i was just gonna say he didn't win uh champions league at Bayern. i think he made semifinals once or twice yeah. but uh yeah. Mean, has he even made it? He made it to the quarterfinals once with City. Other than that, I think he's been booted yep. in the six round of sixteen. So exactly. So he, now, you know, he's starting to shift priority. We saw it in this game a little bit. Not starting Bernardo Silva or David Silva, but or Laporte. Laporte didn't start either. It's the second game he didn't play. Well, he's just coming back from injury. Got it easy. Yeah, but... yeah. That's what he said. He said it was um, based on fatigue. But yeah. Um, Shane, going to you, I know uh, a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang saw a straight red for his tackle on God knows who, I forget his name. Um, it was on um, uh, that, that, that German player. Uh, I forgot his name, Crystal Palace. Oh, Maxi um, uh, Mayer or something like that. Anyway, yeah, Max Meyer, Max Meyer. Max yep. Meyer, yeah, yeah. Um, and I saw a very similar tackle with Raheem Sterling in this game. I, was I thought it shocked. should have been a straight red. I was shocked. Like, you can't defend Raheem there. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm not going to defend Raheem. And here's where I'm going to take another shot at the Premier League and their officiating. It's just horrendous. They gave Aubameyang a straight red, which mean, meant he missed three games, three games instead of giving yep. him a second yellow. And for the exact same tackle, Raheem did not see red. And this is the inconsistencies that keeps showing his ugly face each week in the Premier League. There's no consistency. The referees do not go and look at the screen. And I'm convinced that the referees made decisions that are anti-Arsenal. Because wow. you can't tell me that, that, that that's not a red and you gave a red for the exact same thing weeks before. So where's the consistency? And it was VAR that mm-hmm. turned Aubameyang's yellow into a red. Right. So there's no excuse for it. And it's an identical tackle. I might even add it's worse because it was in the middle of the field and there was no reason for him to go in like that. Yeah. No, I, so I, I completely agree with you. I think that um, I, what I think needs to happen is that the referee in the center needs to be the one who goes to the monitor. It can't be this Correct. fourth official bullshit because they Correct. did in another game. I think it was West Ham against Brighton. A mm. similar issue happened where the, the referee gave the guy a straight red. He went back to the monitor, realized that it wasn't a red card at all, and he switched it to a yellow card. 
So, I mean, that's, that's what should happen. And a referee should be able to correct his mistakes. And I think that's what most other countries use VAR for. They Correct. use it in that way. Correct. It's the way it was designed to be used. Yeah. Um, but, Stephen, if you're there, we're going to go to you. Um, I think we talked last week about Hugo Lloris being uh, a potential difference maker for Spurs, and it looks like in this game that he actually was. Yeah, I thought he looked great. I mean, uh, Spurs were completely outshot in this game, and, and Loris – and the two center backs really showed up today, in my opinion. Um, you know, Hugo Loris, the impact that he has, especially with that back line, very similar to the impact that Allison has with the back line of Liverpool. And, we, mm-hmm. you know, we, we've talked about that before, that he just having that presence behind you of knowing that you have a good shot blocker behind you takes a huge burden off of your shoulders because you now know that, like, you know, with defenders, you can have a great game for 89 minutes and then you miss one tackle in the 90th and you right. your game's considered shit. Having a guy like Loris behind you, like, that's just a breath of fresh air because now, like, you can afford to make a mistake and know that, you know, a world-class goalie behind you is going to make the stop. So I think, especially for the mental toughness of the Tottenham team, which I don't think is, <clears throat> is there um, completely, Having Hugo Loris there is definitely yeah, going to Yeah, no, I completely us. agree. I think seeing him back in the lineup definitely reassured their defenders. Um, and they kept a clean sheet. I think it was the first time in, in a while, to be honest. But, um, I mean, I, they definitely didn't dominate this game by any, by any means. Uh, Shane, but you gotta, you got to say, you got to tip your cap to, to Mourinho for getting the win against Pep. Uh, I, I, I would not tip my hat to uh, Mourinho. <laughs> um, I, think, I think this highlights how horrible Man City is. They're a very bad team, and Pep needs to stop overcoaching. Why do you have a central midfielder playing center, center defense? You mean Fernandinho? Yeah, like why? Why do you yeah. start Aguero and then take him off and put Jesus in? Yeah. Like, like he's, he's, he's overcoaching and doing all these things, trying to well, be I mean, clever. He, he put him in the right situations, though. They clearly dominated this game. They had so many chances up front. I mean, they had 67% possession. They had 19 shots, six of which were on target. They had six corners. I mean, Larissa had to make six saves. I mean, I, I I agree with you, but I think Spurs got a little lucky with the red card that changed the game. True, and in, in True. their um, favor. Yeah, yeah, I mean that did happen in the 60th minute, and then they did get two goals right after that. So that's a really good point. But but, but again, though, after that red card, he didn't tweak anything. Yeah. Like, like, it's as if he's like, oh, the title race is over, so I'm just throwing in the towel. Yeah, I think, well, he I mean, he said it himself that he's just going to strictly go for silverware now, and that means, you know, Champions League and the two cups that they're still in, so. And I, I guarantee, they're not going to win anything. They're not going to win. I'm calling beat. right now. They're going to get beat by Madrid. They're going to get shallot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no let's chance. move on to the one of the bigger games, Leicester at home to see, uh, Chelsea, 2-2 in this one. We saw goals or a brace from Rudiger. Very impressive there, using his head. Um, Harvey Barnes, the, uh, one of the new starlets for, for Leicester, was on the score sheet, and uh, Ben Chilwell in the 64th. I thought this was a really entertaining game. It was back and forth. A lot, both teams had their chances, um, and I thought they both deserved something for this game, so I thought a draw felt like uh, the right result. Um, I do think that Leicester did have some big chances at the end there that could have Scraped away three points from Chelsea, but um, there were four changes from the last game for Chelsea, and there was no Kepa, and there was no Kovacic. 
Paul, I'm just going to let you take the throw, take the uh, throne here. What are your thoughts on the match? Yeah, it was it was an interesting match in that it was um, both teams had portions where they dominated, and you know Chelsea scored first, Leicester pegged back, Leicester goes in the league, then Chelsea scores to even it, and yep. It was just kind of up and down. It was quite the match. Great watch. Um, and, I mean, Leicester are are for real, in my opinion. No question about it. Um, a little puzzling that Frank didn't start Kovacic, in my opinion. Um, but That seems to be the common trend recently. Yeah, exactly. exactly. What's going on there? He, Is he just out of favor? Or? Well, he has an issue where... Jorginho kind of dictates our style of play. Then you have Angola Conte. When he's healthy, he plays every game. And then um, Frank goes with Mason Mount to get a little more offense on the field. Mm -hmm. He's tied for second in goals on Chelsea, two assists in this game um, on both the goals. So I I get that, but – He's kind of N'Golo Conte is almost like the the Harry Kane of Chelsea. You know, you you got to start him, but at the same time, you're not sure you're better with him on the field in some yeah. situations. You know, can't live with him, can't live without him, kind of thing. Exactly. I actually thought of a conspiracy theory the other day. Maybe he just keeps playing Conte over Kovacic because they're trying to sell him this summer. Yeah, could be, but. I, I, I think his value is high enough where he doesn't need to play every game. Yeah, definitely strange. But, um, Stephen, Lampard benches Capa here, and uh, Caballero gives up a howler. Yeah, I mean, I I understand the, the stats on Kepa. I understand the negative cloud around Kepa right now, but – He's still your world record signing goalie, and if you expect him to be better, you're not gonna. He's not gonna get any better by benching him, especially uh, a youngster like him. All it's gonna do is really just crush his confidence and probably make him play even worse. To be honest with you, but you know, I can't believe I'm doing this. I actually kind of want to go to bat for Kepa a little bit because I know his stats suck, but there's been times when the Chelsea team has really put him in a no-win situation where there may be a bad turnover or they have, um, you know, counterattacking numbers coming at them. And Kepa is just left on an island, you know, trying to make like an, an extraordinary save to keep a ball out. So, yes, he hasn't been great. And, you know, even when they signed him, I kind of scratched my head. I was like, that's a lot of money for this, this goalie right now. But I still think that he could be something, you know, going forward. I mean, we – yeah, when De Gea first started at United, he had some shaky starts too because I remember saying that they should have the other guy in. I forget who the guy was back then, but I was like, I was saying to myself, yeah, De Gea doesn't look like he's ready yet. And I think it's the same for Kepa. And I think Kepa's confidence will go up, you know, when Chelsea brings in a couple more signings and Chelsea learns how to, you know, see a game out because right now, yeah, they I think don't it know was uh, for me. I think Frank was just trying to make a point, you know, that uh, anybody is is you know cuttable from the uh, from the rotation or from the roster. Um, but you got to remember, Kepa's only twenty five years old. He that's so young for an established goalie. 
and especially the fact that he's the most expensive goalie in the world. He also has that tagline on him. So, I mean, I agree. I think you do have to give him a little slack here. I think he definitely comes in the next game, next game because clearly Lampard was punished for taking this chance on Caballero. I mean, that was just a brutal, brutal play that gave up the uh, second goal. But, um, Shane, Shane, were you surprised mm-hmm. that there were no January signings for Chelsea? No, I was not surprised. Um, if you can see what Chelsea's doing, Chelsea's playing the long game. Um, there's a lot of promise in the youngsters there. And the fact that they had the ban means that they're giving them a chance to shine. Um, they also did not renew Williams' contract and his other contract this summer. Mm-hmm. I think they offered him only a one-year extension. So Who's Chelsea's that? not in William. Oh, William, yeah. Yeah, so Chelsea's not in full rebuild mode, but you have William who's going to probably be out, Pedro, Giroud's probably going to be out, Bashway. So that's four players that's going to free up wages in the summer, and that will give them more flexibility to sign bigger, better players then. Because the January window is a tough window, and they're in full place. They're probably going to make top four. So there's not a lot of risk associated there. Yeah, but I guess, I mean, one of the things you could argue... Um would be like if they don't make top four because of no signings, then a lot of those signings that they want in the summertime, maybe they're rethinking like, oh, I mean, I want to play Champions League. Do you think that's an issue? No, no, no. Ch- Chelsea's going to make top four easily. I don't, Paul, I don't do you, see Paul, do you agree with that? Four. I don't know about easily, but I agree we'll be top four. And do you agree that no no January signings was a good move? Uh, we tried, apparently. Um, but it was, apparently it was tough dealings with some of these teams, um, and some of these players, Mertens didn't want to leave Napoli. Napoli was willing to sell them for the right price, Mm. uh, that sort of stuff. So I get it. It happens. Um, Frank is definitely frustrated. That was pretty clear in his presser. Oh yeah. Um, when the transfer window was closing. But, um, yeah, I mean, Pulisic will be coming back. Maybe we'll see some Ruben Loftus-Cheek if we're lucky. Um, But, really, Pulisic will be a big big help to the side. I mean, when you looked at this team before the season and you thought to yourself, okay, in beginning of February, we're in fourth place, you definitely would have taken that. I mean, I don't think you expected to be in fourth. I expected us to finish top four. Really? Uh, yeah, that was my expectation. I thought you guys were going to be like fucking eighth. <laughs> no. No, I mean, <laughs> no, with, I mean, with this team, they're definitely a top four team, uh, in my opinion. It, it, the question mark was Lampard and how he was going to manage it, but mm. I, I, I thought um, he did well enough for Derby that he'd be okay. Yeah, I think, though, this is going to cause this is going to be a really interesting story to watch now for the rest of the year, because on one side, you know, you guys didn't spend any money. Your rivals Mm -hmm. come out and spent money like, you know, Madrid, uh, like uh, Manchester Mm -hmm. United and Tottenham. So if you're able to hold them off and you can get a top four spot, you guys are going to look back at this window and say, thank fucking God we didn't spend any money here. Like we didn't need it. And vice versa, though, exactly. if you get passed by one of those teams and you miss and you miss that much needed revenue from the Champions League and that exposure, 
then you're going to be looking back and say, damn, why didn't we go out and spend at least just 50 million of what we had available of this quote unquote war chest that Lampard had spend 50 million, get one guy in, clinch a top four spot and then keep going. So that's something now I'm going to keep an eye on because there's going to be a lot of pressure on Lampard now to get some results. And opportunity cost though, for me, it's like, you yep why no, exactly. not spend yeah no we could see what's going to happen then by the end of february uh chelsea plays united at home and then they play spurs at home and they also have champions league so we're going to really know where chelsea stands by the end of the month mm-hmm. but uh let's move mm-hmm. on to a really shitty game in my opinion <laughs> united at home to wolves 0-0 no goals in this no. one both teams had I thought decent chances. They just couldn't convert. Um, Bruno Fernandez debuted in this game. He literally, I think, came in the day before and ended up featuring in this game, maybe the two days before, because I think he did get a practice in. Um, I thought it was an average average debut. He took a lot of long-range shots, and you know, a couple of them, the, they were easy saves for the keeper. I think one gave the keeper some trouble, but other than that, uh, it wasn't too serious. But Spurs are now in fifth. They're four points behind Chelsea. Sheffield are in sixth. United are now in seventh, and Wolves are in eighth. So both of these teams featured were jumped by Spurs and Sheffield. So, Shane, in this one, it was just another goalless match for United. That's three in the last – or that's uh, – yeah, three in the last three Premier League games. Yeah, um, that's a fair result for United. Um, Bruno Fernandes, I think, had a good debut. Wolves, let's not forget, I think they're fifth or sixth in the table. Um, they're going to be in Europe again next year. Um, Traore is a beast, and it, it took some handling for them to keep him relatively quiet. They had a few chances they should have converted on, but I think yeah. United look good, and I think what Solskjaer is doing is giving them a look of who the players that they're going to go forward. Fred, who a lot of us has written off, has had a great season. Yes, um, yeah. He he's been a consistent performer for I think them. He's one, been their best player. Yeah, one one matters getting some some playing time. Martial inconsistent as usual, but I think Greenwood is getting some more minute, uh, playing time. I think there's the left back. I think his name is Williams, as well, who's Brandon coming Williams. into his own. Yep. Yeah. So so what Solskjaer is doing is giving them options and seeing where they really need to strengthen. Harry Maguire, who's often criticised, I think had a really good game as well. Lindelof, who Marino said couldn't defend, is playing well. So it's not all doom and gloom for United. They're where they should be. They don't have a great squad. Pogba has been out. They need a number nine. They haven't replaced Lukaku. So it, it was it wasn't a bad result. And I think United fans need to temper the expectations. Liverpool haven't won a title in 30 years, right? But Anfield is still packed. It's always been rocking. They, they don't go and stone people's houses and do ridiculous things like that so they, they just <laughs> need to know that in football yeah things th- things come in waves and right now it's not united's wave that's right do you think they have a shot at top four no 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 no, no. <laughs> you you europa league at best yeah i think they'll be lucky to get europa league but um mm-hmm. paul i mean I'll, I'll go to you what are your thoughts on united's transfer business i know i know chelsea didn't do anything but you saw a rival team like united bring in fernandez and uh, Igalo from from China. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, Igalo didn't see that one coming. I don't think uh, anybody did. <laughs> but uh, I was I was surprised because since he's been in China, you know, you haven't heard much of him naturally. But 
Um, I looked up his stats. He's actually not having – obviously, he's crushing it in China, 17 matches, 10 goals. Uh, but also for Nigeria, seven matches and five goals with an assist. So, I mean, we saw him in the Prem previously, and he had a good showing then. Yep. We'll see what he can do for United. They need a big, strong uh, kind of a target forward that they can play off of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's that sort of player. We'll see if he can fit in and um, kind of regain some Premier League form. <clears throat> Otherwise, Bruno Fernandez, I like I like him a lot. I like the way he plays in the center of the pitch for them. Um, it'll be interesting to see because I think he plays a similar position to Pogba. Yes. So I'm not sure how that one's going to work out. I know all these rumors that Pogba wants out, and it sure seems like he's doing his best to be injured and not play for them. Oh, he's, come on. Come he's on. He's pulling man. a Coutinho, man. Come it on. Really, come it on. seems like it. It come really on. does. I come mean, on. how can you say otherwise? Come on. Come on. That's, think, Shane? He, he had surgery. The man had surgery. Like, And then he came back, and then he was uh, And then he had surgery surgery. again. He had surgery again. That's that's not his fault. He's just been in luck with injuries. Come on. To be fair, though, his his agent has said that he basically wants out, though. That they're looking for other opportunities. He said, I'm never bringing another player to United. But that's his his agent's job, though, to get the best deal for his player. He probably wants a new contract and more money or something. That's that's his agent's job. I think think he's gone this summer. Could be, but to say he's faking an injury is it's kind of a reach. He has a Euros coming up. He's not gonna make the France team if he's injured. He'll still make the French team. Come on, no. man. What? No. Yes, he would. That team is loaded. If Harry okay, yeah. All right. They are loaded, but I think he's dude, he like he won them a World Cup basically. He had an unbelievable World Cup. Like he's gonna he's gonna feature in the Euros. Uh, you, you never know. All You're right. right. He he did have two surgeries. You're right. Yep. Uh, Steven, going to you, we already talked about if the United is going to make uh, Europe next season. So I'm going to go to this audacious rumor that I heard online that Jesse Lingard is linked with a move to either Roma or Atletico Madrid with both clubs showing interest. Can you believe that shit? Um. I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ! I, uh, the, I mean, I'm just, I'm just surprised that, let alone any team would would take him for free, let alone like I, it blows my mind, dude. I was watching this game. Jesse Lingard is so bad. Comes on. To, first of all, I start, I thought it was hilarious that they bring him on to try to win the game. You know, the guy who can't score, get any assists. But yeah, let's, let's bring, let's bring, let's bring this guy in. He's gonna create something. Um, but I thought it was I thought it was funny because I also thought Bruno Bruno Fernandez um, you know debut was pretty good, but you know Lingard comes on the field and Fernandez <laughs> is already coaching him. You know he wants him to make a he wants him to make a run towards the center of the center of the pitch in between these two players. Lingard doesn't listen, decides to go to the right. So then when he receives the pass, he's automatically suffocated by two guys. And if he just went the direction that Bruno told him to go. He would have had space to create something. And that just goes to show right there the kind of creativity that this United team is desperately missing. 
in that number 10 role because they need somebody, especially with, with Rashford gone, they need somebody to fill that role. And to, to continue to put a guy like Jesse Lingard in that role is absolutely shocking to me. <clears throat> and if I'm Man U, I don't care what the price is. I don't care if I have to pay <laughs> Roma to take him. Take this guy off of my team. Get him as far away as possible. And I, I, if I'm a, if I'm a freaking United fan, I never ever want to see him. Yeah, in the he, he's got to like go out on loan or something. And, the dude is 27 years old. Like, send him to China or <laughs> send him to the MLS. I don't know. Send him to the championship. This guy is trash. Dude, honestly, man, he yeah, maybe he'll go to China, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a decent game here. I, I agree. I thought it was a good result for both teams. Um, pretty good stalemate there. But let's move on to Shane's babies, Arsenal. They were at Burnley. Uh, another 0-0 game here. Um, I, I watched some of this game. I thought Arsenal started brightly, especially in the first uh, 20 minutes. And then it got a little sloppy after that. Um, but there were some big chances for both sides. Some, some that stood out for me were Aubameyang. Um, he, I think some, I think Lacazette squared it or somebody played a three ball to him and he went to like volley it or, or one time it and it just went wide and Lacazette, I thought missed the sitter as well with his head, but, mm-hmm. um, Shane, I'm going to let you, uh, take the stage here. Thoughts on the thoughts on the match. Yeah. You mentioned something at the beginning of the part saying the grass was too high. It wasn't the grass was too high. The feel is very, very hard. You know, it, it, it wasn't the grass was too high. No. Uh, he, he meant did? he meant wet. It wasn't conducive to playing the ball. You know what I mean? He meant wet. He meant wet. He meant wet. He misspoke. He got moisture, he misspoke. He got moisture mixed up with height. Correct. Correct. He did. He did. Okay. He did. All right. Go on. But, go um, on. Arsenal had a strong defensive performance. Um, Agreed. Mustafi had a wonderful game. Yep. Um, Mustafi had a great Wait, game. Wait, what did you just um, say? Mustafi is going to be a great okay. player, and I and I can see teams coming in with like 25, 30 million fighting for his signature this summer. <laughs> um, I hope, I, I, I hope, I hope his form continues because I'm telling you, like the, the way he's looking, he's going to be in the German side for the Euros. Um, Jeez, hot take of the day. Yeah. Arsenal, Arsenal started off well. Um, the injury to Saka. Change the momentum. We didn't have uh, the wing play that he gives us, and um, Sean Dyke, Ginger yep. Marino, that that guy's an idiot, man. I have, Dude, I have zero respect fan. for him. Not a I have fan. zero respect for him. Yep. Zero respect. They yep. Burnley for a team who prides himself in being physical and battling because they can't play football. Let's get that straight. They cannot play. They play garbage. They kick you, and then they scream, try to get some free kicks, and thump it in. Saka's an eighteen-year-old who's making his debut. He, he gets purposely injured. There's no card. And Sean Dyke is saying Arsenal players are flopping. Yeah. And that's why, as frustrating as Matteo Guendouzi is, I like the fact that he stands up to these idiots. He, he did not back down. He was constantly getting into it because they feel they could just kick people and think that's the English game that's roughing them up. And it's also interesting that the pundits who speak about protecting players and playing the game the right way compliment Burnley on being a physical team or they had a wonderful game or they had the Arsenal players backing off. That's nonsense. You, you don't kick people and then say, oh, great game. Like They were very physical. Yeah. Ball is to pass the ball. We saw Liverpool around. No one's kicking them. And, yeah. and, and if anyone kicked them, like, Klopp's, Klopp's going to be up in arms. You, you can't just kick Salah because he dribbles you. Right. You can't just kick Manny or kick Firmino because he drops his shoulder and glides past you. 
it the 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 the, the English commentators need to stop that that nonsense they got going on. But Arsenal need to do better selling Iwobi and loaning Mkhitaryan and having no other bar carriers beside Pepe is is more evident now that that was a bad idea. Uh, maybe signing Cedric would give them some options going forward. But the team is severely imbalanced, and Arteta is just trying to figure out what his best team is. And the injury to Saka, as I said, altered the plans. Lacazette is low on confidence. I'm not sure what's going to happen there. And Arsenal need a striker who can hold the ball and a winger or two can make some things happen. But all in all, it's not bad because taking over from Unai Emery, when Moss is an idiot who's still doing <laughs> interviews about Arsenal, he's been there for 18 months and he's done more interviews about Arsenal more than Arsene Wenger, which shows the type of character he is. The guy's just a fool. But Arsenal's going to be fine. The game was not a good game, but one point taken... We march again. Yeah, uh, well, well said, my my friend. Well said there. But uh, I think you got to applaud your former captain, Granite Jaka, in this game. Uh, I think it was the game before that you guys got a red card. Maybe two games before, um, and he went to center back. And I think in this game he went to left back for soccer. Right? He did. Yep. And you still yep. kept the clean sheet. This is your first clean sheet since January first against uh, Manchester United. Yep. When our, I think that was Arteta's first or second game, but. Um, no, I mean, I think that says a lot about, about Jaka. I mean, he was in Arsenal's bad graces or, uh, you know, you know what I'm trying to say there, but, um, and now he's just kind of turned the tables for himself. He's really like looking like another fan favorite again, uh, at least in my eyes. I mean, the guy is just clearly stepping up. Yeah. Jaka, um, as I said, I think it was a, a part or two before this. Jaka's a fighter. Yeah. Uh, he's technical and he knows how to manage the game. Uh, put in the right system, he'd be a great player for Arsenal. And I'm glad that he's redeemed himself. And Arsenal fans are often very ridiculous. Uh, they have these mini agendas that they put more important than the game itself. They they blame people like Xhaka, but never say a word about Aubameyang and Lacazette when they have poor performances. They constantly malign Mesut Ozil when Ozil is doing what Ozil always does. He finds the passes, moves the ball quickly, see passes others don't. So, I'm glad Jacker has shown that he has the strength and character to redeem himself and prove a lot of these idiots around. Do you think he gets back the armband next season if he stays? Uh probably, because he is the captain. Like Obama has the armband on, but Jacques is clearly the captain. You can see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Paul, I'll, I'll go to you. This was the fourth consecutive draw for the Gunners. Um I, I agree with Shane. I thought it was a good result. What, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, just taking points, all these all these one points add up, right? And especially with how congested congested the middle of the table is, those are four big points. And you can just see they're making progress. They're they're keeping goals out, which is something they didn't do under Emery. And um, there's a spirit to the team, which you have to credit Arteta for yeah. coming in and finding that so quickly. That's the big thing. I, I agree. I think Arteta clearly changed the mindset of these players and uh, really turned things around. That's what I meant by clean, uh, a good result for them. Like they, I feel like under Emery, they would have backed down a lot from this game, especially from a physical Burnley side. But like Shane said, they really just gave it back to him. Yep, absolutely. Um, Steven, going to you, Arsenal were a little busy in this transfer window. They did buy Pablo Mari, who we saw at Flamingo in the Club World Cup. He was really good, kept uh, 
Firmino, or I'm sorry, Sadio Mane and Salah pretty quiet all game. And then they got uh, Cedric Suarez from Southampton on loan. Um, I think that's pretty good business. Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's sound. I think it's exactly kind of what they need. Um, added another center back who can um, kind of just play in that rotation that they have. I think he might end up being one of their one of their first choice center backs. Um, he looked really good in the Club World Cup. Um, and then Cedric Suarez, um, yeah, I, again, I, I think it's going to be another another good piece to that team, another option for them, um, especially to make the push late, um, mm. you know, to continue on for the rest of the year. But you know, when I look at Arsenal and I was watching this game, you know. Uh, again, I was also really impressed with the defense, um, and I think I, th- I think you take the point. But you know, there was times that I'm watching the game where I almost felt like Burnley. Yeah, you know, we talk about Burnley all the time, where they're they're so compact and so defensive. But there was numerous times when I was like, I feel like Burnley's playing like <laughs> Arsenal, and Arsenal's playing like Burnley. Like there was more, you know what I mean? Like there was times when Burnley's offense looked great, um, you know, coming down. So I don't. I don't discredit Arsenal too much there. I just think Burnley mm-hmm. came to play today. They came to kick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I should say that I came to kick because I agree they were uh, uh, playing. Yeah, I don't know how Dice is uh, complaining about that. But Shane, I do have one last question for you. I did tackle this with uh, uh, Carlito from the London is Calling podcast a few weeks ago when you were out. But um, there's this agenda, it seems like, for Arsenal fans to get rid of Arsenal fan TV. Do you have any thoughts on yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I think that agenda is stupid. Um, even though Troops Robbie at times might be a little ridiculous, and I had the pleasure of meeting Robbie and Troops in North Carolina. Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hung with them at a bar for a while with some Arsenal fans, had a few drinks, and Robbie really is is a nice guy. My my thing is right. So Arsenal fan TV is challenging the traditional media. They're never going to get rid of traditional media. And I think people are just jealous that Robbie has an idea and it has kicked off. Mm. Right? There's, there's this thing that he's not a real Arsenal fan. Get him out of our club. And that's, that's typical the English narrative. If you look at the way the English fans are, they find fault with everything, right? Like, they would say, oh, they, they started with Salah. Then he came good. So... They can't say anything there. He was a flop at Chelsea. Everything is always an issue. They never focus on what the actual issue is. Especially for foreigners, Ars- yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's there's this foreign agenda that's ridiculous. And the other thing is, whether you like it or not, guys like troops are funny. There's also um rants and bands who do who manu manu TV. Oh, okay. Those those who's are funny. And there's also this Spurs fan called Expressions. Yeah, like 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 he, he's <laughs> hilarious. Like he he has these buzz lines that's ridiculous, but it's funny as hell. And you have um, what's her name, Sophie, who does Chelsea TV as well. So it's it's giving people voice, and it's just like we recording a pod. A few years ago, we could not record a pod because we don't have a studio, we don't have the equipment. We'd have to run tape, mix it on a laptop. Shout we out on a pod app. from our phone. Shout out the anchor. Exactly, app. exactly. So so definitely, and thanks to apps like Anchor, they facilitate this. So. The Arsenal fan TV agenda is ridiculous. People just upset that Robbie has an idea, that he put his own money in, and now he's seeing the benefits of that. So it's just t- typical English is it still nonsense. Is it still going strong, though, the, the rebellion against Arsenal TV? Yeah, and but they, they are. like They're singing songs at the games that get out of our yeah, club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and not, but by them doing that, 
is giving Arsenal fan TV free advertising and people want to check out yeah. who are they singing about, why are they singing about them. So marketing one on one. Exactly. And what's it talking about? Bad you? press is good press. Correct. <laughs> Correct. All right. Well, let's let's move on to some other score lines and then we'll finish up the podcast. Um I'll take the first one. Bournemouth were at home to Aston Villa. This was my uh, bet of the week. Unfortunately, it went against me. I had Aston Villa, and they lost this one 2-1, to one, even though uh, Bournemouth went out with a red card. Uh, we saw goals from Billing, Ake, and Samata for Aston Villa. Um, I think Bur- uh, Bournemouth is starting to turn the tide a little bit. They got Nathan Ake back, clearly, when he had a goal. Um, mm-hmm. so their defense is kind of sol- more solidified now. Um, so, I mean, I, I think going forward, they could have a chance of staying out of relegation. Right now, they have 26 points. Aston Villa has 25, and West Ham have 24. So, they're two points clear. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Let's see if they can hold it up. Eddie Howe can work his magic. But, um, Paul, let's go to you for Palace against Sheffield. Yeah, so, Palace 0, Sheffield 1. Uh Goals from Guarita. Yeah, the goalie. Which is uh, <laughs> own goal. Oh, yeah. In the 58th minute. Uh, kind of, it was a hard-fought game, as expected. Um, kind of uneventful and unlucky <gasps> for Palace. Uh, Sheffield making a big move in the table. Yeah, I mean, right now they're in, they're in sixth place. They're one point behind Spurs, so... Yeah. Five uh, points back for fourth. Yeah, they're proving to be a tough team to beat. Shane, let's let's go to you for Newcastle at home to Norwich. Yeah, uh, Newcastle United versus Norwich played to a nil-nil draw. That one point will be valuable to both teams who are at the bottom of the table. Newcastle made a few interesting signings, um, one of them being Danny Rose from the Spuds. Um, he hasn't <laughs> been playing a lot recently, and he looked a little thick in his photos at Newcastle, so... Interesting to see how he'll kick on. Um, Norwich as well is in the relegation battle. Um, yep. it's, it'll be interesting to see which one of those teams would stay up. But like I said earlier, that was a fair result for two teams who are struggling and would appreciate the point. Well, to be fair, New- Newcastle is actually in 12th. They're actually they're, they have 31 points. They're doing all right. But Norwich is clearly bottom of the table. Unfortunately, I think they're going to be they're going to be relegated. But um, it's a shame too. <laughs> those guys actually play football, man. It's, it's good to see. <laughs> But Arsenal is in uh, tenth or eleventh, and Arsenal are six or seven points off the relegation team. So that's true. Isn't, yeah, it's not a lot separating teams yeah, there. It's so jam packed. Yeah. You're right. I didn't even really look at that. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So then Watford were at home to Everton. Uh, they took a two nothing lead in this game. This game was nuts. Messina had a goal. Pereira had a goal, and then uh, Yeri Mina had two before the first half ended to tie it up 2-2. And then in the 90th minute, your boy Theo Walcott, does he have, I think he has dreads now or something. He's cornrows. He got the yeah, goal. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see that? Put some respect on his name. Oh, <laughs> my God. Dude, I, haven't, I, I, I was like, who is that guy with the dreads? And it's, uh, or cornrows. And it's uh, Theo Walcott. Unbelievable. Yeah. Theo T- T- has been doing well since his move to Everton. And I think a lot of people forget that Theo Walker is a top striker. Theo scored over 100 goals for Arsenal. And it's 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 absolutely ridiculous that people call him a bust. He burst onto the scene at 16 years old from Southampton, right. yeah. went to the World Cup, 
he scored goals from a winger. To score over 100 goals and have a professional career that began at 16 and extends past the 28 birthday is a great feat. And um, I hope he, he kicks on this season and has another two, three good seasons on him. But pure, pure strikers finish from Theo Walker. And Everton were down to 10 men with Fabian Delft doing some Fabian Delft things. <laughs> but it was so definitely a great game. Yeah, it was just funny because I, I haven't seen that much hair on Walcott since I, ever. You know, he's just, he's always had that like baby face. Now he's a full beard and he has cornrows. It's like, who is this dude now? But no, nah, I mean, Tia Walcott 2.0. That's right. And he still has the pace, man. He still has the pace. Yeah, he, I, I mean, I, I, again, Arsenal fans always find a way to kill a player's confidence, right? Yeah. Like, like, Theo Walker in this Arsenal team would work wonders right now. Mm-hmm. Like we're crying out for a player like Theo. That's true. So again, our, our, our Arsenal fans are sometimes the worst. I hate to say it. <laughs> uh, Stephen, we're going to end with you on the other score lines. West Ham, we're at home to Brighton. Three uh, three in this game. Pretty crazy. Yeah, man, this game was crazy. And I apologize about my audio issues. I'm in a hotel room, so. Um, but yeah, it was an absolutely crazy game. Um, the, the goals, uh, you know, Snodgrass, you know, shout out to Snodgrass. I feel like I keep seeing this guy's name on different teams, like every year for the past six years. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, shout out to him and also shout out to Glenn Murray too. He, he's really carved himself a rollout on right and just being the guy who comes off the bench and, and scoring a late goal that, that matters. Um, at the end of the day, you know, I, I think it's going to be really hard for David Moyes to keep West Ham up. Um, you know, shout out to Brighton. Brighton always battles every game they're in. They're always a hardworking team. But yeah, three three draw, and I think that was well deserved for both teams. Yeah, that bottom of the table, Shane, is looking really interesting. I'm looking at it right now, and Norwich has 18, Watford has 23, West Ham 24, Villa 25, Bournemouth 26, Brighton 26, Palace 30, and then it goes up to like the 31s. Um, this these last these last like handful of games are going to be unbelievable. We'll see who stays up. Yep. Because think about this, right? Sheffield has 36 points. Yeah. And Bournemouth, who is in 16 position, has 26 points. So that's 10 points separates 10 spots in the table. Yeah. So any of these teams going to three or four winning run, game winning run. Yeah. They're in the top 10 easily. All of a sudden, yeah. All of a sudden, you're in ninth or, or eighth or even. You know, it's, it's, yep. It'll be interesting, but... Yeah, so we're coming up on uh, – right now is the February break. First time, I think, in Premier League history that they're doing this. And uh, you're seeing a lot of players go to Dubai. You're seeing players go to America. Um, I think I saw Trent Alexander-Arnold was at the Knicks game or the Philadelphia game, watching Embiid shoot around. So um, we are only going to preview the four games that are coming up this weekend. I'll take the first one. Everton is at home to Crystal Palace. Um both teams have been doing all right. Everton right now are in ninth place. They have uh, 33 points. So, I mean, they're getting up there with the uh, with the other guys as well to battle for top four. Um, I'm going to take Everton. What's that? Carlo. Yeah, man. He's, he's changing things up over there and, and definitely giving them some momentum. But I'm going to go Everton this one, two to one. Um, I think they get the job done. I think Calvert-Lewin's back on the uh, back on the score sheet. Maybe even uh, Gilfie Sigurd- Sigurdsson. But um, – no, I think, they, I think they deserve a win, so we'll see. Um, Paul, let's go to you for Brighton at home to Watford. All right, Watford, underdogs in this one. Um, 
Brighton tough team, as we've been saying all season. Mm-hmm. I expect this one to be a hard-fought match. I'm going to go with Watford just because they're hot right now. Um, Nigel Pearson going to keep it rolling. And look out for Ishmael Saar in this one. I'll go 3-2 Watford. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Yeah, Brain's definitely been struggling lately. I mean, I know they're a tough side, but for those betting at home, Watford is plus 245. Good pick for uh, for Paul there. Um, Steven, let's go to you. Sheffield at home to Bournemouth. Tough, tough place to play. I say it all the time. At Sheffield, not a fun place to go. Bournemouth struggling. The Rios went over it um, with the relegation battle. Have been playing better, but I just think with Sheffield's style of play, Bournemouth's not going to be able to crack that. Uh, I think it's going to be 2 nothing Sheffield over Bournemouth. 2 nothing for Sheffield and Chris Wilder. Shane, let's end with you. Man City at home to West Ham. What do you got? Uh, West Ham <laughs> is going to come in and win that game four goals to two. Whoa. Man City, yeah, four to two, four to two. It's going to be a shootout. Um, Man City defense is fragile. <laughs> and I think Pep Guardiola is overcoaching. Is going to be confronted by David Moyes and some heavy metal football. Um, <laughs> West Ham has not been playing poorly, although their results don't reflect that. True. And I think the combination with Declan Rice in the middle, along with Mark Noble, is going to cause problems for Man City. And and the reason for that, and I'm not just being ridiculous because I have an agenda against Guardiola. When, when they play against these teams, City often struggle mm-hmm. because... Because if, if a player like Mikel Antonio hits form or or Anderson or um, Lanzini, th- there are a lot of players who can unlock City's defense. And City's yeah. defense is very soft. It's as soft as pudding. So I really don't ex- expect City to come with they, they might score a goal or two, but 4-2 to West Ham. And if you're better than home, you guys should take this bet and thank me later. <laughs> it's plus 2,200 for those of you better at home if you pick up West Ham. I might put a dollar on it, see what happens. Uh, I'll put a 20, put a 20, Andrew, put a 20. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you split that with me. What are you going to call it, Mark Noble, uh, Mark Noble hat trick? <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Dude, Mark, Mark Noble's been on fire recently. Mm-hmm. He has been. He, he's been on fire. He he's going been. volleys and all sort of stuff like it's 1998. <laughs> Well, he's definitely been in the league that long, so. Yep, he has. All right, well, let's uh, round up this podcast episode with Fantasy Picks and Better of the Week. Last week, uh, Stephen and I were the ones on here. Uh, my pick of the week was uh, Pereira for, for Leicester. Um, definitely a bad one there. He, I thought he had a good game, but he did not – uh, he did not keep the ball out of the net. He did not do anything on offense. So zero points for him, maybe two for a full full game. And then my bet of the week was Aston Villa. Again, they lost two to one. <laughs> so uh, my fire has definitely been burnt out. Um, so hopefully somebody else can pick up the slack for our viewers at home. Steven, who did you have last week? Do you remember? I actually don't remember who I had. Um, I, That's I, embarrassing. And the reason why I don't remember is because I know I didn't win. <laughs> uh, so I, I tend to forget about it when I don't win. But um, what do you have this week? Uh, when I'm looking at it this week, uh, dude, it, not really a fan of any any four of these games. To be honest, um, I think if Crystal is Crystal Palace, Crystal Palace is at Everton, so I'll take Crystal Palace over over Everton. Okay. Nice, good bet. Um, Paul, let's go to you. Well, Stephen, who's your fantasy pick of the week? Actually, too. Uh, fantasy pick, I'm going to go with 
KDB against West Ham. I think he's due for due for a good game. Yeah, but he's going up against Mark Noble. <laughs> exactly. No, see, no, see, that's the thing. It's like it's like saying you know Tom Brady is going against Patrick Mahomes. Yes, they're not the teams, <laughs> but they're not going to be matching up against each other. All, all right, Shane. Who are your uh, fantasy picks and bet of the week? Uh, my my better week, of course, is uh, West Ham United. Yep. yep. Who's your, who's your um, fantasy West, pick? West Ham. My fantasy player of this week is going to be Theo Wally Walcott, coming wow. off a ninety-minute game winner. He's going to continue that momentum into the next game. Probably slot a goal and an assist. Theo Walcott. I like that. Man. I like that. Yeah. All right. I wonder if he took the cornrows out. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's going to get a fresh do. Maybe he'll braid the beard too. Uh, that would be excessive. <laughs> that would be very excessive. That would be excessive. Um, I'll go next. My fantasy pick of the week, Dean Henderson at home. He's a goalie for Sheffield United. I think he gets a clean sheet. That'll be plus six to you people at home. Um, definitely good to have him in net. Uh, my bet of the week, I'm with Paul here. I think uh, I think Watford's going to beat Brighton away. Um, I think Nigel Pearson gets things going again for Watford. They need they need a win here to get out of relegation. So I'm going Watford. They're plus 245 in the money line. Paul, why don't you uh, finish it up for us? Yeah, uh, Watford are going to be um, they're going to be desperate. They play with that desperation. It's a good thing. Um, all right, I'm going to go. I'll stick with Palace over Everton. Okay. Like Steven. Um, in order to do that, they're going to need some uh, a big performance from Wilfried Zaha. He is long overdue this season. Yes. Keep an eye out for him in this one. Benteke had some pretty big chances last game, too. I thought he was going to put one away. But, uh, I mean, he hasn't played in a while, so he needs to get back in back into form. But who's your yeah. um, who's your fantasy pick? Uh, fantasy pick, I will go with uh, Ismail Saar for Watford. Ismail Saar, wow. Okay. All right, well, that uh, finishes up this episode of the Footy Weekly Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Um, Shane, any last words on this one? Guys, be safe. Be cool. We part again next week. Have a good one. (laughs) Paul, any last words? Enjoy the break, fellas. If your team's not playing, which none of ours are. So enjoy it. We'll come back bigger, better than ever. Bigger, better, stronger, all of the above. Steven? Any last words? Um, well, we got Shrewsbury replay. So, looking forward to that. Hopefully, we'll win so we can play Chelsea in the FA Cup for the fourth time this year. We'd all love that. Um, but up the Reds. Up the Reds. Thank you all for joining us. And if you have the time, give us five stars. You know we earned it. Peace. <laughs>